Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? Well, you could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run big appliances like your fridge even longer. And best of all, the new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans already trust Patriot Power Generators. So go to the number four, patriots.com slash verdict to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included for free. Go right now to the number four, patriots.com slash verdict. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Are you being influenced? If you've watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. Welcome. It is Verdict with Senator Ted Cruz, Ben Ferguson with you. And Senator, it is always fun to be able to do this show and talk to people that are experts in certain areas. And a dear friend of ours is going to be with us for this show. And it's so important, the timing, when we're dealing with such uh, major issues on national security. We're dealing with what happened with Hamas and Israel, uh, what's happening now uh, between Russia and Ukraine, and also uh, the intelligence failures that seem to be happening on a daily basis at our southern border uh, with terrorists coming across our southern border. And I want you to introduce to the audience our our special guests. Well, it is Thursday night. Uh, It is 9.38 p.m. Pacific time. And and I am out on the West Coast. I'm in L.A. Uh, Just landed not too long ago. Tomorrow I'm going on Bill Maher. So that's going to be wild and woolly and should be fun. And so we are doing a special podcast here tonight that will come out tomorrow morning with your and my mutual friend, Rick Grinnell. Now, Rick, uh, Rick has had a storied career. He was ambassador to Germany under Donald Trump. He was the special, pre- the special presidential envoy for Serbia and Kosovo for the peace negotiations, again under Trump. And, and then he was also the acting director of national intelligence under Trump, which is an incredibly important and difficult job. And I think he did an extraordinary job at it. And, and so we're going to talk a lot of foreign policy. We're going to talk a lot of uh, challenges facing the world. And, and, uh, and, and, and Rick is a 
California native, so 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 we are in La La Land together. Rick, wel- welcome to Verdict. Welcome to Los Angeles, Senator. Thank you for coming all the way out here. It's a long way, isn't it? Uh, it, it is a long way. I flew <laughs> from Dulles straight out here, and that, that is a long flight. It is longer than an iPad charge. It's also, uh, for you East Coasters, you can think about either flying to Europe or flying to California. It's about the same amount of time. You know, I got to say, that may be the cruelest thing anyone has ever said about me. You just <laughs> called me an East Coaster. I'm a Texan, damn it. <laughs> and, and, and on but top you flew of that, from Dallas, but, but so I was coming go. from D.C. On top of that, you could be in Paris right now, but instead you're in L.A. So it's like a double whammy there. <laughs> Well, look, as, as as you know, it's 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 one of my dirty little secrets that I have a, a soft spot in my heart for California. I, I, I married Heidi, who's a native Californian, and her whole family are Californians. So I spent a lot of time out here, and it's it is an absolutely gorgeous state that has been cursed by idiot politicians. Yeah, for sure. And you know, we we do not have a U.S. senator that represents us at all on the conservative side. So you can be our senator. I, I am proud to be, and a point I make often, so when I'm out here, um, regularly people will, will, will stop me in the street and they'll say, they'll, they'll say, Ted, I am the only conservative in California. <laughs> and, and, and they're almost like, they almost have like PTSD, like they, they, they will sort of scrape the shape of a fish with, the, with their foot in the <laughs> sand, like they're in the Coliseum. And, and I tell them all the time, look, no, you're not. Yeah. And, and, and a point that I make frequently, uh, what state has the most Republicans in it? Yeah. And the answer is California by far. There are more yeah. Republicans in California than there are in Texas. Now, there are even more Democrats. You are, in fact, outnumbered. But there's still a ton of strong conservatives in California. They're just besieged. Yeah, there's there's no question about that. And we're really trying to get more. Uh, I have an organization called Fix California, which is literally doing the unsexy work of registering people who are not involved, sitting on the sidelines, uninspired, apathetic. Uh, maybe they think that there's no way that they need to vote, they, that they should vote because it doesn't matter. But we're trying to empower people to say, get off the sidelines. And with that, a little bit is to try to take some of the Sacramento types right. who are our friends, who are doing the good work and highlighting them, raising them a little bit of money, giving them a little profile. So uh, we're, we're, we're doing a good work, but it's going to take us about four or five years to catch up. Well, the hard thing also in California is even though there are a lot of Republicans here, none of them believe it's possible to win statewide. Right. And so turning Republicans out in an election here is insanely difficult. And I think there's a tipping point that if people believed it was actually viable and possible, you would see dramatically higher turnouts among Republicans. But a lot of folks stay home because they say, what the heck difference does it make? Yeah, that's exactly why we started Fix California is because we thought if we can start changing the numbers every month and give people a little bit of hope, we think it will pick up. We think then there'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy of, hey, maybe I should vote. Maybe I should get other people to vote. It's not a waste of time type of message. Well, and, and Republicans certainly have been able to pick up congressional seats in California. Yeah. And without the, the California Republicans, we would not have a majority in the House. Yeah. And, and so there, there are parts of California that are winnable, but, but there are parts that are just irredeemably blue yeah well we we're trying and uh we're so pleased to have people like you come through 
and speak and and charge us up uh we we really are so thankful when we get some superstars through so thank you for being here well it's great to be back Rick, I want to ask you a question, and and this goes to some of the big breaking news that's happening right now, and and it deals with the massive intelligence failure. Uh, This is your wheelhouse, obviously, Uh, being in in, in the intelligence area and working uh, under the Trump administration. This reporting that's coming out is shocking, that photographers that were working for the Associated Press, for CNN, for the New York Times... And Reuters were embedded with Hamas on 10-7 and accompanied the terrorists into Israel. Uh, It's pretty clear that they knew the attack was coming. Uh, They've been accused by Israel now of not just being involved in the attack, knowing the attack was coming, but participating in it. And, And yet there was such an intelligence failure. We didn't hear anything about this. Neither did Israel. How on earth did, did, did we get to a point where we missed the boat, Israel missed the boat, and yet these photographers working for AP, CNN, New York Times, Reuters were embedded with Hamas and accompanied the terrorist group and then photographed the atrocities? Yes, a couple of great questions there. Let's start with the second part, which is really about the intelligence failure. I, I actually don't believe that we didn't know that... Iran and Hamas were planning. There's just no possible way that we didn't have pieces of raw intelligence. Uh, I I think one of the crises that we have within the intelligence world right now is we have too many people playing politics that are analyzing the information. We have great collections process, uh, but the people who are writing the analytical work, who are taking the pieces of raw intelligence and making assumptions, those people are too partisan. And imagine if you had the New York Times delivering opinion pieces every day, but nobody signed the opinion pieces. You wouldn't have any idea who these pieces are coming from, whether they're an expert or whether they're just kind of bloviating. And that's what we have within the intelligence community right now. My first intelligence briefing was in 2001. I am an expert on receiving intelligence as a public policy official and knowing whether or not it's useful. Many times it's not useful. I can't tell you how many. How do you tell the difference in your experience? Well, first of all, when the briefer tells you something and and they say this is, you know, top secret and you say, well, I just read that in the newspaper today. It obviously is not. Uh, So we have an overclassification problem. Uh, A lot of the information is public or maybe not as distributed as as you would think but still it's in the public domain somewhere uh i can think of a million examples during covid where that was happening where people were pretending like this is top secret but it had been published in some virologist magazine you know three months before so we really do have a problem but what i found is the overclassification problem was uh, a PR strategy when they didn't want something to get out, whether it was embarrassing or just a program that they didn't want anyone to know. They would uh, literally classify the whole thing. And then when you read it, you would see this is not uh, something that should be classified. Uh, We now have, you know, um, information that is unclassified, but you know, sensitive, and you're like, wait, what? 
<laughs> if it's unclassified, uh, then then don't tell me that it's something that is supposed to be sensitive or not distributable. I, I do believe that the partisan nature of those who are writing the intelligence is really the key fundamental problem. When I was there, I brought in the Russia team and I said, you're way too political. You're, you're reading into everything as a, as a political matter. I told the China team, you're way too slow. You're, way, you're too thoughtful. You're slowing down because you don't want to cause anybody to, to make a move. And then the Israeli team was just completely wrong all of the time. So we need to be able to fix that system. And some of that is just cycling people out so that there's fresh eyes and fresh minds. Well, I will say being a consumer of intelligence in the Senate, and I've been in a lot of classified briefings, uh, my experience very much comports with yours, that that 90 plus percent of what they tell you in a classified briefing, you can read in the newspaper, you knew already. And frankly, they want it classified because it's embarrassing and they don't want to admit it. But it's not. Look, there are times in a classified briefing where they say, you know, we intercepted such and such. And it's and you understand why it's classified. I mean, right. it, it, where there's sources and methods and, and there's certainly things that are included in it. But I do think there's a big overclassification problem because it's a way to insulate the administration from criticism for their foreign policy failure. So there's also another problem that when we go to brief members of Congress, uh, they are just giving you the analytical pieces. So you're only getting what a group of people say, well, this is what we should give Congress on our thoughts about raw intelligence. What would be so much better if we could trust the members of Congress to, to keep it uh, private would be to give them some of that raw intelligence is to ask people to say, well, you know, what do you think, actually, when you see this, that, and the other? Don't wait for an IC-wide agreement, which a lot of times is garbage because it's the lowest common denominator of what so many intelligence agencies uh, kind of agree on, but to give some of the raw intelligence and let other people make some analytical choices about what's going on. I think that that's where we need to go. The other thing that I have to say is this, uh, you know, gang of eight idea yeah. is baloney. And this is the idea that the Senate and the House leadership are the only ones that get briefed. Uh, if it's good enough for the gang of eight, we should be briefing every member of Congress who is interested. Let, let me ask you one question, Ben asked, but, but to go back, are you surprised that the Israelis didn't know about this attack before it happened? I actually believe that the United States and the Israelis, of course, had the raw intelligence, that the analytical people just didn't put it together. They didn't want to assume that Hamas was going to make such a jump. Uh, but, but, you know, look at what's happening now. We've got the White House and John Kirby saying we didn't have any direct intelligence that Americans were being targeted. At the same time, they're confirming that we're doing strikes in Syria because they're coming at us. They're shooting down a drone, uh, a, a drone, by the way, that costs $35 million of taxpayer well, and the money. The Wall Street Journal has reported that more than 500 Hamas terrorists trained in Iran in September, the month before the attack. Now, mind you, I'm repeating what I read in the journal because nobody's bothered to give us an intelligence briefing actually telling us if that's true or not, uh, other than 
the last intelligence briefing we had, there was a whole lot of CYA of, no, 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 our, our giving them $100 billion. That had nothing to do with that. Yeah. Don't blame that at all. And of course it did. You cannot uh, give money to Iran and trust Iran, because that's really what they're doing. They're trusting Iran to somehow play like a responsible member of the international yeah. community. Bloomberg reported in August, there's a piece in Bloomberg whereby the Biden administration was very proud of the fact that they had unleashed the international sanctions and that it was working, that they were having great uh, conversations with the Iranians. There was a trust factor there, but at the same time, Iran is making billions off its oil. It's getting more money from the Americans, from the Europeans and others, and we shouldn't be surprised that when you're feeding them and you're trusting them and you're telling them, uh, hey, hey, let's have some conversations about moving you forward into a better nuclear agreement, that they are going to burn you. They've lied about heavy water. They've lied about the number of centrifuges. They've lied to John Kerry about so many things that he just assumed that they weren't lying on. I don't, this to me is is just the Democrats keep trusting Iran, and hopefully now they see that well, they can't. And, and let me go back to a topic we've covered on, on a previous verdict, which is what do you make of Rob Malley and why he got his security clearance yanked? And what do you make of the three Iranian operatives that were in his inner mm. circle? Uh, and, and how the hell did that happen? Look, I think Avril Haines has some questions that she needs to answer. She's not getting pushed at all. You look at all of the DNIs under Trump. All right, all right so tell, tell our listeners who Avril Haines is. Avril Haines is the director of national intelligence. So that's the role you had under Trump. Correct. And, and John Radcliffe had and, and some others. Look, we were under incredible scrutiny, constant pressure from the media to do this, that, or the other. And, and Avril Haines, literally, the last I checked, like her, her last tweet was about Dianne Feinstein's death. And she made a statement about Dianne Feinstein's death, but she hasn't made a statement about all of these other things. And she gets away with it because no, they're, they're, when the media are not asking her the questions, then she wakes up every single day thinking, I don't have to answer these questions. I'm going to go and continue ignoring or continue hiding. She needs to answer, what did we know and why did we not act? Was it an analytical failure? Was it an intelligence gathering failure? And then on Rob Malley, which is incredibly interesting, I want to know who approved his security clearance. Yeah. I want to know which FBI agents signed off and what did they actually raise some concerns and red flags and got overruled? Did he even have a security clearance? Maybe he never had one and his time ran out where they said, you know what, we, we couldn't approve you and so now you're out. That, that is a very real possibility that he was working in this job, didn't have access to intelligence because he couldn't get a clearance. They, they're not answering these questions and the media is not pushing. We need... And in the Senate, when we ask, they just give us the Heisman. They completely stiff arm us and answer nothing. Yeah, and, and that's unacceptable. And, and if we had more media pressure, if we had more people just insisting, why isn't Avril Haines being hounded to answer these questions? Why are we not, you know, camping out 
at at DNI. There are so many times that they did that to us where CNN was watching when you were leaving and they knew where you lived and they would follow you. But that just doesn't happen. So she wakes up every day and thinks, I don't have to answer these questions. Do you think there will be any reckoning, any accountability for the intelligence failures that led to a failure on the American part to anticipate the October 7th attack and do anything to prevent it? It's a really interesting question. I I think that there will be a uh, CYA strategy to say, well, we did see some uh, raw intelligence. Uh, We didn't have enough time to write the analytical piece, so we didn't share anything with Israel. Uh, but but that's unacceptable. What what was in the PDB? What was the president briefed on? Yeah. What was Jake Sullivan briefed on? If we had raw intelligence that said uh, Hamas is working with the Iranians on a, an attack somewhere, and somebody poo pooed it, you know, the same team remember that told us that if you moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, there would be World War Three. Right. That same team was watching what Hamas was doing with Iran. Think about that. They completely got it wrong. Not only did we not have World War III, but we actually ushered in world peace. Yeah, and I, and I will say that there has been no accountability for, number one, the military failures and intelligence failures on the withdrawal from Afghanistan, which was absolutely catastrophic, and no one's lost their job. And there's been no inquiry. The Senate Democrats have zero interest in even finding out what went wrong. They just want to sweep it under the rug. And there's also been no accountability at all for the dramatically wrong intelligence assessment of the Ukraine war. I mean, I I sat in Senate-wide briefings where the Defense Department, the State Department, the entire intelligence community, every one of them told every senator, this war will be over in a matter of days. It will last less than a week. Putin will roll in, he will conquer all of Ukraine, and it'll be over in, in, in just days. And we're now years into the war, and, yeah. and, and that intelligence consensus, because there was no disagreement. Every single briefer, everyone agreed. I know. And, and it was wildly wrong, and there hasn't even been a minute of reflection or assessment. How did we get so wildly wrong and how do we prevent that from happening the next time? There's one more angle to that. As you know, I've worked at the State Department for 12 years. I, I'm really a diplomat, and I care deeply about the State Department. And we messaged, we, we heard the, the, the U.S. government, the Biden administration messaged for three straight weeks, Putin is coming, a war is around the corner, it's going to be bloody and brutal, a war is coming. Why didn't the Secretary of State immediately get on his plane and go to Kiev with all of the foreign ministers in Europe and say, no, before, if we know for sure that a war is coming, the Secretary of State has an obligation, a responsibility to try to find a peaceful solution. I believe that they've shoved Blinken right off the stage. They they just don't trust him. It, it, it's weird. He doesn't act like a Secretary of State. He's a staffer. Yeah. I, I've never seen a Secretary of State 
as diminished as Tony Blinken is in this administration. Do you agree I, with that? I, I completely agree. And by the way, all of my friends at the State Department, I have a ton of friends who are not even really conservatives, but they're just good Foreign Service officers yeah. who salute. They're horrified. We're the first ones that are being evacuated from everything. It's the Foreign Service officers, many of them, are they join the Foreign Service to solve problems. They don't want to cut and run. They want to be there except they're pushed off the stage. They were pushed off for Afghanistan. Uh, no one has come up with even a peace idea. Now, look, I want to have peace through strength. I think the president of the United States, when they're in the Oval Office, needs to have two strong voices. The secretary of defense that says, move over because I'm going to kill everybody and we're not negotiating. And the secretary of state that says, you wait a minute, because we need SOB diplomats at right. that table. Yeah. And the Democrats keep mocking tough diplomats. But if you want to avoid war, you better have an SOB as the diplomat pushing and saying, wait a minute, uh, we're going to try to negotiate. It's not weak need. It's not culinary diplomacy. It's real diplomacy. Well, well and, and I will say peace through strength, which, which you and I both agree with strongly. Look, it, it's worth remembering that, that during eight years of his presidency, the biggest country Ronald Reagan invaded was Grenada. <laughs> that that, yeah. that, that when, you, when you have a strong commander-in-chief, people don't want to screw with you. Exactly. Um, I, I, I think if Trump were still president, we would not have a war in Ukraine. This would not have happened, among other things, because Nord Stream 2 would never have been completed. 100%. You and I worked very yes. closely together on Nord Stream 2. Yes. Thank you for all your work. You were the one of the only ones pushing really hard when I was in Europe. I was so thankful that you were there. And I agree with you. If the if Merkel had not gone to Joe Biden and said, "Look, you you want to be nice to your allies or do you want to push us aside because we're asking you. We will applaud you. You will be able to come to Europe and everybody will love you if you drop these sanctions on Nord Stream 2. They did it. The Senate Democrats did it. And there are some atrocious speeches from Senate Democrats yeah. on Nord Stream 2 and why they were dropping those sanctions. I, I keep pushing the media to say, go pull Chris Murphy's speech. Go pull these uh, other speeches. They were 100% wrong about Putin and the war. And it signaled when they dropped those sanctions it's signaled to putin now's the time to come back and finish the job that you started under well, obama and i'll tell you something that that you may or may not know but it was a very revealing aspect so Nord stream 2 i authored the first sanctions legislation in 2019 we passed it in december 2019 putin stopped constructing the pipeline from russia to germany literally the day trump signed my sanctions legislation into law i authored a second sanctions legislation in December of 2020. That's signed into law as well. Biden becomes president January 20th, 2021. Putin resumes deep sea construction of Nord, Nord Stream 2 four days later, January 24th, because Biden foreshadowed weakness and several months later, he formally waived the sanctions, gave a multi-billion dollar gift to Putin, allowed him to finish the pipeline. As you know, I put a hold on every State Department nominee, which caused the State Department to lose their minds in order to try to force them to stop Nord Stream 2 to avoid this yeah. war. Finally, at the end of 2021, I released a big tranche of State Department nominees in exchange for a vote 
on reimposing sanctions in January of 2022. Now, here's the bit that you may or may not know, but it's very revealing. The day of the vote, Joe Biden personally came to Capitol Hill to lobby the Democrat senators to vote against sanctioning Nord Stream 2. It was the only time in his first two years in office that I know of that he came to Capitol Hill to lobby the senators. So think about the level of priority. And at the time we were voting, President Zelensky publicly begged the Senate, pass these sanctions or else Russia will invade. The government of Poland begged us, pass these sanctions or else Russia will invade. Most, Most Eastern European countries. And 44 Democrats flipped. They'd voted with me twice before, but at Joe Biden's personal behest, they voted in favor of Russia, in favor of Putin, and four weeks later, Russia invaded Ukraine. It, it was an absolute moment. You are exactly right. I tell everybody, this was the moment that Putin saw weakness. Yes. The opposite of America first is consensus with the Europeans. If you're a guy, I wanted to ask you a question. Do you feel like as you've gotten a little bit older, maybe you're losing your edge? Do you feel like fatigue is setting in? Do you feel like you just don't have that strength and vitality that you used to have? Well, you're not alone. Testosterone levels have dropped off a cliff historically right now to all-time low. There's article after article that is coming out about low testosterone. And what do you do about it? Well, I can tell you what I've done about it, and that is... I'm now taking the male vitality stack from Chalk. Chalk is a company right here in the U.S. of A. that helps men just like you maximize your masculinity by boosting your testosterone levels up to 30% over 90 days. The male vitality stack has been clinically studied to boost your testosterone level 90 days. You can supercharge your game with higher T and more natural energy and increase muscle mass. Now, this is the reason why you've got to check out Chalk. You can go to ChalkCHOQ.com today to start reaping the benefits of the reigning champion of natural men's health. You can use the promo code BEN for 35% off the Male Vitality Stack subscription right now. That's CHOQ.com. Use the code BEN for 35% off any Chalk subscription for life and boost your testosterone levels up to 30% in 90 days. Rick, I want to ask you a question about, and you talked about Anthony Blinken and, and, and just the diminished role. But when you look at these intelligence screw-ups and you talked about how you were managing things when you were in the Trump administration, how much of these failures may come down to the fact that Joe Biden just can't handle the job as being president and that and that they may be avoiding even briefing him or letting him make decisions and that people underneath him are doing things so much on their own that everybody's basically a mini president in this administration because they don't know which way to run. So I, I have a slightly different uh thought and and belief about joe biden because of my experience with him as the head of the senate foreign relations committee he loves to be loved he likes to know all of the world leaders he wants the applause from all of them he wants the dude man bro moment with with world leaders and so when people come like chancellor merkel come and they ask him to do something 
he literally wants consensus with them. He wants to be loved. He wants the Europeans to like him. And so uh, I, I have this great story of you know, sitting across from Chancellor Merkel, who I actually really liked and and respected quite a bit. And you were ambassador to Germany for three years? Uh, a little over two. A little over two. And, and I once, in talking to uh, Chancellor Merkel about some subject, she said to me, you know, Rick, one of the um, issues that I have with your president is that I just don't know what he's going to do. He's not, pre- he's not predictable. And that creates a lot of problems for us in Germany. And I remember smiling and thinking, you know, don't smile too big. Be nice here. But I said, you know, Madam Chancellor, with all due respect, this is exactly what I've been waiting for, for in a president. It is really important that you and others can't determine and predict what the U.S. president is going to do. That creates a credible threat of military action, not just a threat of military action, but it's a credible one. And when it's credible, people yep. act differently. Absolutely right. All right, so, so here's an interesting question. What's the coolest part and the crappiest part of being an ambassador? Totally. And an ambassador to a major country. You know, Germany is not some island down in the Caribbean. It is a major world power what's what's the the coolest and worst part about that job i think the coolest moment that i had i had two cool moments one is when you present your credentials in germany and you walk out of the president's you know house uh the german national band is playing the american national anthem oh that is cool it was so cool and uh you know as this little kid from michigan who never thought that uh, I could represent the United States. It was a moment that was pretty emotional. Uh, and then the second thing is, is I'm a big MMA fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really like the opera or the ballet, and I think I was the first ambassador to not go to the opening of the uh, Berlin Opera and the you know fancy stuff in Munich. <laughs> but I did bring the MMA and the UFC to Germany, and I got to go pretty regularly in Germany and really help that industry uh, in Europe. Now, the worst part, yeah. uh, I think the worst part about being an ambassador is having security. I I hate it, to be honest. I'm somebody who likes to think about going to the gym when I feel it, Mm -hmm. not when I plan it. Right. So I would plan to go to the gym in the morning because you have to tell security, and then you'd wake up and you'd be like, actually, I don't feel like going to the gym right now. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't like having to determine my whole schedule and having security. I, I'd much rather be, you know, winging it. Now, how frequently are ambassadors doing the, the whining and dining thing? I mean, you know, you have gazillionaires who go be ambassadors and, you know, spend a bunch of money on a incredible wine collection. How much yeah. is that part of the job? I mean, it can be the whole part of the job if you want it to be. Uh, you can go and just have a lot of fun and, and pretend like you're an ambassador from America, but you're really doing a travel log of the whole country and, and your Instagram is about how great the other country is. I, I find that to be pathetic, to be honest. I think if the American people are paying you, you, you should be the office of America overseas. And so everything that I did had a purpose. If if we were going to try to s- uh, squeeze Iran, I would bring in business leaders to say, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. 
uh, but you either are going to work in America or you're going to work in Iran, but you're not going to do business in both. So choose which one. And we tried to be very social with, uh, with a lot of different issues uh, that matter and not just things that I wanted to do. Well, I will say when Heidi and I brought our girls to Europe for a summer vacation several years back when we were in Germany, you very kindly hosted us at, at, at your residence, which I was remember. really cool. Yeah. Oh, that, that residence was uh, amazing. Uh, great history. It was the Nazi Party of Berlin's headquarters. Uh, as, wow, that's kind of creepy. It was creepy, and it had a long history, but the American uh, military, the U.S. Army, took it over. Uh, used it as a guest house for military leaders for a while. And when Germany was reunited um, and they needed an, uh, an American ambassador's residence back in Berlin, uh, the State Department stepped in and said to the military, we'll take this back. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., that's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey, Ben Ferguson here. And if you're an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be a part of your investment portfolio. I want you to visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns when you invest with Labrador Energy, you have access to potential tax benefits, and you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Labrador's core executive team has more than 190 years of combined oil and gas experience and has drilled thousands of oil and gas wells. They are dedicated to mitigating risk while providing accredited investors with sound returns. So visit LabradorEnergy.com. American energy independence is crucial for our national security and future prosperity. And Labrador Energy is leading the charge to make that a reality. Invest in U.S. oil and gas today. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk of experiencing a blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? Well, you could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. 
Folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable. So you can run big appliances like your fridge even longer. Or other devices like your electric blanket, your microwave, your RV, air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets, so you can power more devices at once. And two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, the new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans already trust Patriot Power Generators. So go to the number four, patriots.com slash verdict to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included for free. Go right now to the number four, patriots.com slash verdict. I wanted to ask you a question about what it was like also being an ambassador to Germany. You were there from 18 to 20, and it wasn't as hostile, I think, then as it is now politically, especially on the world stage, especially if you're connected to Donald Trump. What was it like early on, and how were you treated? Look, I, I had a great experience. I, I have a lot of friends in Germany. There are a ton of conservatives in Germany. Uh, and the German business community is a lot like the American business community. I, I, you kind of can't tell the difference. I mean, Lufthansa, for instance, has uh, 12,000 American employees. And you and you could do this with Daimler and BMW and, you know, whatever whatever the German company is. Um, so they act very much the same. I think the difference is, is that the German business community uh, will talk about the government in a negative way privately, but publicly they won't criticize the government. So there's a little bit of fear there. But I, I felt uh, like I could completely say what I needed to say. I, I spoke to groups constantly, and I, I, I was brutally honest about Nord Stream 2 and about defense spending. Uh, telling them just how Americans felt when they when we see the largest economy in Europe um, not paying their NATO obligation yep. but feeding the beast yep. with with Nord Stream two and and that really went over well I think with everybody but the government. You know one of the things I found remarkable uh, in Germany is that is that when we went to the Brandenburg Gate um, and as you know I have in my office a gigantic painting of Reagan in front of the Brandenburg Gate with the words, tear down this wall in German and the style of the graffiti that was on the wall. And, and I think those are the most consequential words uttered by any leader in modern times. Well, when you go to the Brandenburg Gate and you go to where Reagan gave that speech, there's almost nothing from the German government commemorating it. There's a small little brass plaque, plaque yeah. on the ground that's maybe six inches wide that is where he gave the speech. And other than that, there's nothing. Yeah. And and, and that that I found astonishing. Did, did that surprise you? It did. And, and uh, to be honest, the Reagan Library here, I have a lot of friends at the Reagan Library because of the California connections. And they all said to me, like, what's going on? Why isn't Germany giving Ronald Reagan his due? And when I got there, I decided to go straight to the mayor of Berlin. 
and he was a diehard socialist yep. and and i said you know mayor what what what's up but you have a lot of uh memorials to russians and others but there's nothing for ronald reagan and he told me because you know you americans you always overplay ronald reagan you you <laughs> pretend wow. like he did a lot more than what he did and i was like well we, we we think that he was the catalyst and so we were asking for a statue and and he formally told me no so as you know in the embassy it's pretty amazing uh location and i decided to take the terrace the whole terrace of the u.s embassy and uh turn it into the ronald reagan terrace and we put a seven foot statue of ronald reagan on top of the terrace looking out at that uh at, at the brandenburg gate but the most amazing thing that we did and it was a last minute thought is you walk all the way out to the edge and you're looking down below where the wall was. You see the spot where Reagan gave the speech. And I put up a kiosk and you can press the button and you can watch while you're out on this little ledge feeling like you're just alone and suddenly you're watching the speech right from where it took place. I have to tell you, I've taken probably 20 senators out to do that. I always stop and let the moment be felt. And I've seen a lot of tears from U.S. senators, from U.S. officials who say, this is one of the most amazing moments. I do think that the U.S. Embassy in Berlin is probably the best location of our embassies in the world. Yeah, it's, it's, I love that you put that statue up. That, that, that was long overdue. Um, do you know, did, did the Biden guys leave it up? It's up. It's still up. Okay. Well, I'm glad to. He- I hadn't heard that it had been taken down, but I, I not- anchored it I pretty would- <laughs> pretty hard to the to the concrete, and uh, I made sure that it would stay. So it's there. But right, you know what? The funny thing is, I let me let me just quickly say, I invited Chancellor Merkel to the opening to the dedication, and she said, "Oh, you know, I, I can't come, but you will you let me know when you do a Bush statue, because Bush." united germany and that made the whole world difference i want to tell you about our dear friends over at patriot mobile for 10 years they are celebrating their decade uh being a business patriot mobile has been america's only christian conservative conservative wireless provider and when i say only trust me they are literally the only one the team at patriot mobile have been great supporters of not only the show but they're also great supporters of our first and our second amendment rights they're great supporters of children who are unborn protecting their lives and this is why i love them as a company right now if you switch your cell phone to patriot mobile they are going to give a donation for their 10th anniversary to a organization that supports the lives of unborn children And then every month when you pay your bill, they're going to get back to conservative causes so you know that when you make every phone call and every text message, you're standing up for what you believe in. You're supporting free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. They've got a 100% U.S.-based customer service team that makes switching your cell phone easy. You can keep the same cell phone number you have right now. You can keep your same phone or upgrade to a new one. And when you pay that bill every month, you know you're standing up for what you believe in. How do you switch? You just call them, 972-PATRIOT. Whether it's for you or your family or a business, 
972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Use the promo code VERDICT. You'll get the best deals of the year and free activation. That's 972-PATRIOT or patriotmobile.com. I want to ask you about another question that deals with the southern border, and I want to go back to putting your, you know, taking the ambassador hat off, going back to national intelligence. You look at our southern border right now, and it doesn't take a very bright human being to understand that an open border the way it is now is a national security threat. There are more and more people that are saying this. We saw the FBI director, Ray, saying that we're at a, the high, highest level, in his opinion, since 9-11 uh, for the prospect of an attack in this country. We know that terrorists are coming across the border They're on the terrorist watch list that have been caught. These terrorists are not trying to turn themselves into Border Patrol agents. They're trying to become gotaways. We have no idea how many terrorists have made it into this country undetected so far. But when you look at the warnings now and you look at what just happened and you look at the warnings of possibilities of the same type of style attack that we just saw in Israel and yet we still have an open border and we still have Mayorkas before Congress what was that yesterday day before saying that no he doesn't believe we need a border wall what is your reaction from an Mm -hmm. intelligence standpoint yeah Ben it's a good question because uh, you know I gotta believe that all of the intelligence officials who are collecting uh, raw intelligence see it on a daily basis. They're see, I mean, how, how else do we know that someone from the terrorist watch list is crossing the border? It's because of raw intelligence. Mm-hmm. We're figuring it out, but I, I, I think that it's being hidden. When they report it, it's not being analyzed and talked about. It's not being put into the president's daily briefing. Uh, all of that information is completely being suppressed. And, and once again, we should be asking these questions of Avril Haines. You know, what are you seeing at the border? What are you hearing at the border? And, you know, she's just not getting pushed on it. But it's clearly extremely dangerous. Everybody knows that. You're not going to have a country if you have an open border. We all know that. But I find the most outrageous thing is that the media are complicit yep. in this problem Absolutely. because Democrats would have to face the music if they were hearing from uh, the media in their home states, if they were being pushed and held to account like they used to. When when I would sit around and watch the news with my dad as a kid, the news was kind of holding both sides to account. Well, Rick, this is a point that, that we've made a lot on this podcast and, and that I make in, in my brand new book, Unwoke, which is that the corruption of the media... And, and Donald Trump, I believe, broke the media. He shattered their brains. That has played a, a critical role in driving today's Democrat Party to such extremes. Yes. to go so crazy left because they never, ever, ever get questioned on any of it. So there's no downside to, to giving in to the radical extreme in their party. They, they never fear that they will get a hard question at home. They never fear they'll get a bad story at home. And, and, and so I think the, the abandonment of any effort at journalism by the corporate media has been one of the most destructive developments in recent years. I, I totally agree because it, it's unleashed, right? They, there's no consequences. There's no downside. So they get to do and say anything they want. I, as I watch Avril Haines and, you know, she got into office and immediately – 
uh, in order to please Iran, one of the first things she did was manipulate past intelligence to pretend like it was real, and they went after the Saudis and the Khashoggi issue yep. all over yep. again. They literally, there was nothing new in that report. It was repackaged to hit the Saudis hard after we had basically looked at them and tried to make some changes uh, and, and were trying to heal that relationship. And the she Saudis opened it up. We're, were on the verge of signing the Abraham Accords. Yes. And, and, and until Biden screwed that up. 100% true. And. And they, I look back now, and it makes sense to me. The reason they did it is because they wanted to show the Iranians yes. that somehow that they were going to play more fair and that they were going to be nicer to the Iranians by beating up on the Saudis, right? And then why aren't we talking about the fact that they took the Houthis off the terrorist watch list? Yeah. And the Houthis are the ones who just shot down the drone. Why were they taken off that list? Let me explain the politics behind that. Well, I think again, it's a it's a gift to the Iranians. They're they're trying to please them because they want to get back, and you know they will spin that somehow the international sanctions was pre- were were pressuring the Iranians, and therefore we they were closer to a nuclear bomb because of the sanctions and the grip that we had. And again, this is the same strategy that they had with Russia. When you go and you see Democrat senators making the case for dropping the sanctions on Nord Stream 2, it is, in summary, they keep saying, well, we don't want to stick it in the eye of the Russians. This pipeline and us uh, sanctioning it, making it not come online, is creating problems. So we must, therefore, let the pipeline flow through with gas, because things are going to be better if we don't stick it in the eye of Putin. This is well, the, this and, was their and, argument. And appeasement always, always, always fails. It invites bullies and tyrants to be aggressive, to invade. It it causes war. Absolutely. I mean, Joe Biden inherited peace and prosperity. We now have the biggest land war in Europe since World War II, and the biggest war in the Middle East of our lifetimes. I mean, I mean that is. And, 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 you know, you're talking about the Saudis. Look, in my view, the dominant foreign policy objective of Joe Biden and his team has been to reenter an even worse Iran nuclear deal. Yeah. And everything in the Middle East hinges on why do they go after the Saudis so, so ferociously for the same reason that I am largely pro-Saudi, which is that the Saudis are the most important regional counterweight other than Israel to Iran. Now, look, the Saudis have lots of problems, so I describe the Saudis as a problematic ally. But we want them to be an ally, we want them to be strong as a counterbalance to Iran. That's precisely why the Biden administration wants the Saudis to be weak, because everything is subservient to getting in another deal with Iran, including in the middle of this Ukraine war, after Biden's weakness causes the war in Ukraine, it has now become the ultimate Democrat virtue signal to wear a Ukrainian flag and, and commit that we must be in the war until the end of time. And even while they say that, they continue to flow now roughly $100 billion into Iran, much of which goes into Iranian drones, that Iran becomes the top weapon supplier to Russia, and so Biden is funding both, both sides. sides of the Ukraine war. 
Well, there's no question about that. And this goes back to what my original point on Iran was. It, it sounds crazy, but they trust the Iranians. There's some belief, Jake Sullivan, maybe it's just a, a white paper intellectual exercise that if you're nicer to them, somehow they're going to give up a nuclear weapon. Yep. And, and they really believe that. And the NGO community totally supports that. And, and the, it, we call it appeasement, but they, they're trying, once again, engagement. And this is one of my problems with the foreign policy community, is that we should be able to try engagement, try sanctions, try all sorts of things, but we should quickly evaluate whether it's working or not. We well, could talk it, all day it, about it, Venezuela, because I think that's a failure of a policy. It, it is. You know, it's worth also underscoring that the Biden administration's top Iran, Iran diplomat, Rob Malley, who's been fired and had his security clearance pulled and, and, and is nonetheless in a cushy job at my alma mater at Princeton, which is really disgraceful, his inner circle included three individuals who were Iranian operatives recruited by the Iranian government, reporting directly to the Iranian foreign minister and advancing Iranian policy agendas within the United States government, within the Biden administration, one of whom, as far as we know, is still a chief of staff in the Department of Defense to this day. Yeah, and and they've been caught asking the Iranian diplomats for sign-off. Yes. For speaking engagements. It, it's really so outrageous, so treasonous. But once again... You don't see any of these uh, national security reporters at the New York Times or the Washington Post or Politico or anywhere else putting pressure, asking the questions. They get away with it. So let me ask you another question. So you were the director of national intelligence uh, under Trump. You were act acting DNI for, for, for how long? It was a short period of time. A short period of time. Uh, supposed to be three months, but it was about four and a half. So it's four and a half months. It was the most consequential tenure at DNI that I have seen. And, and you really shook that place up in a very short time period. And, and, and I guess what I would ask is, number one, how did you do that? How did you take on the deep state, which, which is real throughout government, but especially in the intelligence community, is a persistent problem? And, and, and lots of conservatives sometimes feel frustrated and say, well, you can't take on the deep state. And I think you managed to do it uh, remarkably during that tenure. And, and, and what I would say as a second part of the question is what advice would you give to the next Republican cabinet member coming into office and facing career bureaucrats that are ideologically and passionately opposed to the next Republican president and the agenda of the next White House? Well, let me take the second part first. I think the reality is, is you can't hire someone whose livelihood is Washington, D.C. If you're hiring somebody who, who needs a job later in the Washington system where reporters go to church with politicians and lobbyists, they live in the same communities, they're never going to make big, bold decisions because they'll have the ire of their friends and their their church acquaintances. What I believe that you have to do is, is hire people also who really don't care about their New York Times profile piece, who somehow have the ability to make the right decisions. The I've told President Trump, 
we're going to fix the personnel problem when he's when he's president. And the first thing is, is to look at every resume. And if the resume has a Washington, D.C. address on it, throw it away. We can hire people from outside of Washington, D.C. What what happened with me at DNI uh, is actually pretty simple. When I came into DNI, one of the first things they did is they gave me four reports that had been done over the last 10 years of how to fix the intelligence system. I read the reports and I thought, well, a lot of this makes sense. We, we've got duplicitous uh, programs. We've got people who uh, it's supposed to be a, a coordinating body and yet it's no longer a coordinating body. It's actually a competitive body. Uh, it ballooned to more than 2,000 people. It should be like 200 people. And so I just started sending people back to their their home agencies. DNI, uh, the ODNI, had become the 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 wasteland. If uh, intelligence agency didn't like somebody, rather than fire them, they sent them over to ODNI. And so I just started sending people back and getting rid of every possible person that we could, freezing hiring. I did this in in uh, Germany as well. And forcing people to rethink this. You gotta be able to play the system, but you gotta know the system. And I've worked at the State Department and I knew how the federal government works to where you can come in and manipulate it and start using its own rules against it. I do think though, that in order for us to make big, bold decisions, Congress is gonna have to somehow change the way the labor force uh, is, is legally allowed to, to you know, be cut. As you know, and I'm preaching to the choir here, but when we come up with new technologies and we decide to spend on a different program, by definition, other things should fall. Uh, people should be fired. Uh, the program should be eliminated, and that's not happening. Rick, I really appreciate you coming on. I know the senator and, and I love having you here. Uh, and congratulations on an incredible career. I have a feeling uh, that final chapter in your career is nowhere close to being finished. Uh, and, and there's a lot more to look forward to with your leadership in this country as well. Uh, and so, again, thank you so much for coming on Verdict, being a part of this. Don't forget, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we do this show. Make sure you hit that follow, that subscribe, or auto-download button wherever you're listening right now and on Saturdays uh, much of uh, what you may have missed later in the podcast each week we put together in a weekend review so make sure you grab that on Saturday mornings or on Sundays uh, maybe you're in the car driving to and from the games or something make sure you grab that as well and the senator and I will see you back here in a couple of days tired of restless nights at Lisa we know good sleep is essential for mental physical and emotional health from memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money, but are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. 
HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.